This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Morena, no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo Irarangi Ona Tangata O Manawatu. It is Monday, the 30th of August. I feel that's uh, a bit of a public service announcement in these lockdown times. People don't, time operates very differently uh, under alert level four. Uh, of course, today is a relatively uh, big day for New Zealand because I believe at four o'clock this afternoon, the Prime Minister will indicate what's going to happen uh, at 11.59 tomorrow night. Uh, of course, everywhere south of Auckland will be moving to alert level three, but we should be prepared uh, for level three to look a little different than last time round. Um, and of course, uh, hearts going out to everyone north of that uh, South Auckland border, uh, still in level four for uh, Probably another two weeks. Uh, just a quick look at the numbers in the past 24 hours. 85 new cases. That includes... Um uh, that brings us to a total, sorry, of 551 cases in uh, New Zealand, 511 of those in the community and 40 outside. Uh, and locations of interest, I believe the number has gone down a little. Uh, the website showing 444. Mm, I think it was... Getting up to four hundred ninety five hundred at one point, so that's that's uh, possible good news. And of course, Doctor Ashley Bloomfield telling us uh, that. Uh, well, I may be paraphrasing slightly, but that uh, the numbers of new cases may be plateauing a little bit, which is also good news. Uh, joining us on the catch up this morning, as usual for a Monday morning, we have Jimmy Ellingham from the Manawatu Standard. Good morning, sir. Yeah, good morning, Fraser. Good morning to you. Um, COVID uh, dominating headlines, I am sure, in the Manawatu Standard and the wider stuff empire. Uh, but locally, uh, a bit of a focus on, I think, possibly the most unlucky theatre company in New Zealand. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was last time round that got cancelled as well. Yes, yeah, so it's X3 Productions, and uh, this time it's had to call off its. Uh, season of We Will Rock You, which is the, the, I think it's the Ben Elton wrote the show, isn't it? And it's got the Queen songs. And I don't know, have you gone to have a look at it, Fraser? Or, I, I uh, haven't gone to look at it, but I've seen the movie. I'm sure that'll yeah, delight okay. them. Right, there you go. I, I was lucky enough to go uh, on a Friday before the lockdown, so I was one of the perhaps few people to actually see it. So I think I only had uh, three or four shows, but that, can, that season's been called off now. And last year, as you say, the same time when we went back into it wasn't a lockdown, was it level three or two restrictions? I forget in August uh, last year, X3 Productions had its uh, staging of Sister Act uh, disrupted. And if you recall, when we uh, were at level two, it partitioned the regent. Yeah, uh, it made the regent like four different venues, which I'll be honest, I wasn't entirely comfortable with, but I appreciate that apparently it was legal. Yes, it was legal, and they all had their own bathroom and entranceway and all that sort of thing. It would have been a bit odd, though, wouldn't it, sitting uh, next to a big uh, barricade in the uh, <laughs> in the audience. This time round, uh, we will rock you. If we'd returned to Level 2 last week, they would have managed to go ahead somehow, probably with the mandatory wearing of masks, as well as that partitioning, uh, which would be interesting, wouldn't it, going along to see a show uh, sitting in a mask, a new experience that maybe we'll have to get used to, who knows. Very but, uh, muffled <laughs> cheering from the audience. 
<laughs> would, wouldn't it? And singing along would be a bit difficult. Exactly. You're sounding good there, Fraser. That's what we would have sounded like. And, uh, let alone having drinks and that sort of thing. But I think that might have been something you have to sacrifice just to get mm. the show uh, to go ahead. But that won't be happening now. X3 Productions is, in fact, as we've reported this morning, uh, launched to give a little appeal because the cancellation of We Will Rock You mean, means it'll lose about $110,000 on that show. So it's looking through Give a Little to perhaps raise about 25000 to, in uh, their words, tide them over. Uh, as of yesterday, there were about $5,500 uh, being raised uh, there. But, uh, yeah, apparently it costs about $400,000 to stage uh, such a show. So it's, it's an expensive undertaking. But as you say, possibly New Zealand's most <laughs> unlucky there's a company. There's, there's obviously other cancellations too at the Globe Theatre. We've seen Alliance Francais, uh, French Film Night cancelled, and the last few uh, nights of that uh, that history of Palms North play. You know, the 150 production that was there were also called off. And of course, the entertainment sector is not the only one affected, but it just does highlight uh, what's happened because of this uh, lockdown that we've had for the past fortnight. It does indeed, and I know they uh, they have a sort of unofficial advocate in Jerry Keating, who who manages the Globe Theatre. He's one of the first people on Facebook to uh, uh, outline how the industry is hurting. Uh, of course, and tied closely to that, I mean, it, it conceivably can be considered the same industry as the hospitality industry. The only difference there is it sounds like uh, eateries um, in particular will be able to conduct some business uh, from Wednesday onwards. Last year, it was click and collect sort of methods, wasn't it? Takeaways, um, um, I recall, uh, which seemed to work well. But we did stories from those various businesses saying that, you know, while they appear busy, turnover's far down on what you'd expect. Uh, and, of course, it's, it's, it's better than nothing, but it's certainly not going to, uh, going to uh, be anything like normal uh, opening conditions for them. And no doubt we'll uh, report on that uh, this week. But, uh, yeah, as you say, it's a number of uh, sectors uh, affected. One thing we have noticed, um, we talked last week about how this lockdown, there seems to be a bit more traffic around and more people on the road and more people around. And that's been confirmed a little bit by figures we got from the government last week. Last year during lockdown, apparently about 54% of people were at work or were able to work. Some of those will be from home, of course, so it's it's not an absolute uh, figure, this one, in a way. But this year, that's about 10 percentage points up. It's in the 60s. So it's a lot more people able to work. And last year, of course, we, we had the sort of gradual, didn't we, uh, look at and review of what was an essential worker and what can and can't. Because initially a lot of people were told, no, you, you cannot. And then that number grew. But this time there seems to be a few more people allowed uh, to either go to work or at least keep their work up. Yeah. Um, the other thing I don't think we had, oh, I might be wrong. No, I, I'm pretty sure the last uh, time we were in a full lockdown, we didn't have Uber Eats and Deliver Easy and all these places. Uh, level three is, has oft been described as level four with takeaways. Uh, are we aware if that, if, if the, the Uber Eats and Deliver Easy uh, model is going to be classed as a, a service that can work contactlessly in level three? Yeah, I wonder about that. That might be one of the things we see at uh, the announcement this afternoon, What can, <laughs> which may well just come down to what takeaways we can order and uh, and where we can go. But you're right, those, those services, they came to Palmerston North later last year, didn't they? So it wasn't a, a, an option at that time. But uh, Level 3 last year, there were many places open. If you recall, we could go and pick up your order. So surely those delivery ones would be able to, to operate. I mean, couriers have kept operating, haven't they? So 
Yeah, well, it should be interesting and perhaps a good way to keep some of the uh, population uh, indoors or in their bubbles during Level 3. But again, as you say, f- I mean, 4 o'clock today is really the... Everyone's just sort of hanging around waiting for that now. It's been nice to see the, the, the numbers plateau a little bit, so now we just need to see what the next step is. Um, you've got some general numbers for us uh, around COVID um, and, and an absence of others when it comes to things like vaccines. Yes, we'll get to that, of course. But um, yeah, like you say, the total, um, you went through the total cases. There's now been, since the start of last year, there's been almost 3,500 uh, cases of COVID-19 in New Zealand. Uh, of those, there were 33 in the mid-central district. That was all last year during the, well, I think that was all during the level four, wasn't it? Our yeah. last case recovered in April, I think, last year. So we had 33 cases uh, in that time. And uh, that was interesting. It was interesting watching them see if they would take off. They never really did. And some of those numbers were people returning from, say, Auckland or elsewhere. So there was never a community outbreak here. That's important to say, isn't it? It was always mm. people well isolated. Uh, this time around, we did have the places of interest last that we discussed last week from those people returning from Auckland to Wellington uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was, for example, the service station in Bulls um, and Waiuda as well. But there appears so far, fingers crossed, to be no, uh, no positive results coming from them. One number I cannot tell you is how many people in our region have been vaccinated. At the moment, we're getting national figures. Uh, Mid-Central hasn't been able to give us local figures yet. We will perhaps ask again this week. Uh, we actually, about, uh, it's a bit old now, but about a month ago, for example, we tried to get, this is when the vaccines were only available to you, I think it was 60 plus group three, as it was, wasn't it? Um, and they couldn't tell us uh, the numbers there. And that's been the case throughout. We haven't managed to get the numbers for local uh, for local vaccinations, which is a bit, uh, bit concerning, but we'll try and see what we can do uh, there this week. But the hospital has given us some other numbers. Uh, and this gives you an idea about the backlog that this is creating. Apparently, 267 people have had their elective surgeries cancelled. Um, elective surgery, it's always a bit of a, a misleading description in a way, isn't it? Because you're not actually, it's not like you're electing, it's not like a nose job. No. It's, just it's just simply something that doesn't need to be done today necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so that sort of thing. And uh, there's been, I think, 12,000 face-to-face consultations. Uh, sorry, 12,000, 1,200. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, face-to-face consultations put off. But um, quite a few have gone ahead over over video or, or perhaps Zoom, as we're doing now, or, or the telephone. So that's that's a good sign that it hasn't come to a halt completely. And uh, Palmerston Hospital is apparently 90% full at the moment. Uh, generally, before lockdown, it was about 95%. And we do stories relatively regularly that, you know, the emergency department is overflowing on a, on a particular weekend. We all know the emergency department needs replacing. There is apparently... That is going to happen. Where that's at, <laughs> as anyone's guess, it's probably something we should uh, follow up on again. Mm. And, um, but here's a stat that you you might like, uh, Fraser. On the night before, on the day before the lockdown, so the night that was announced, which was Tuesday two weeks ago, according to uh, FPOS data, Palmerston North had a 716% increase in what was spent uh, on alcohol. Um, they, they don't release the actual numbers, these FPOS companies, but um, was, that, was that you stocking up, was it? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jimmy. <laughs> I was focused very much on the flour and the toilet paper like everyone else. Yes, yes, yes. The, the nationwide average is 473%, so we've, uh, we're perhaps out drinking the rest of the population throughout lockdown. 
Yeah, well, I may have contributed a little to that, I, I will be honest. Um, but, I mean, all this goes to show that, I, and this is me putting my opinion out there, this is my opinion, not necessarily that of Jimmy or Standard or NPR, but I think what New Zealand is trying to do, the New Zealand government is trying to do at the moment, is working. Because people are saying, oh, the vaccine rollout's too slow, and, you know, the other countries around the world are saying, well, why are you trying to eliminate? Just let it run its course. Look, it's working for us. Well, <laughs> people are dying, and also it's like, it's like uh, the UK is this exactly uh, people <laughs> yeah. people aren't dying, and the health system is not overrun. You know, Palmerston North Hospital can't deal with an outbreak here. I mean, they'll do their very level best, and they'll probably end up with tents in the car park or something. But the health service is being managed, and that I think is the key. Um, once we get out of these levels people's well-being can be taken care of. The elective surgeries can happen. The consultations can happen. If this gets out of hand, none of that's going to be happening for a very long time. Yes, I mean, that's part of the reason, surely, behind the elimination strategy. And I I think people have said that. It's to to make sure our hospitals are not overrun, that they can cope. And at the moment, I mean, I can't remember the numbers exactly, but it's very few people as a result of the latest outbreak were in the hospital. Um, But if you, I mean, that might be a small percentage of the numbers of the, what, 400-odd cases we have now, but... You know, multiply that tenfold and then you're starting to get more people go to hospital, more beds occupied. You're entirely right there. And, and it's especially up in uh, Auckland, the, the thought of an outbreak there with the sheer density of population. I mean, that's a scary prospect, which is why I, I understand that when uh, level when the announcement happens at four o'clock today, level four may even be, you know, level 4.5. Yes, yes, as some are predicting this morning, it uh, could be harsher restrictions. We don't know what those are, or indeed we don't 100% know that will happen, but it has been tipped uh, for this afternoon as well. And of course, I guess level three for us might be level 3.5 in a way. It might not be what we had last year. Uh, mandatory wearing of masks, perhaps, is going to be something that will stay with us, as we might have said. And I, I don't think people are going to be too worried about that. I've been to the supermarket a couple of times now, and, th- I mean, the sheer display of fashion and style in some of these face masks now. I mean, people are really getting in behind this, and, and you can have fun with it. I mean, you've, you, you've got to, in a way. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some good ones, too. Um, I've got a nice uh, material one that's got a cricket uh, cricket scene on it so for example but uh, occasionally also wear the throwaway ones depending on where you're um, uh, going of course but uh, yeah. uh, the vaccine rollout will be interesting um, people of course have criticised the speed of that and yeah, maybe maybe that's something that could have uh, been improved but yeah, hopefully we can get some local numbers there there's still for example um, DHB has set up those temporary places at CET Arena so they really are trying to move through it as quickly as possible. Um, I was lucky enough to get my first shot yesterday, so people are walking past a, a chemist shop as it was about to close because it had, you know, five, six, seven, whatever doses left that didn't want to waste. And a few people came in off the street like that too. And otherwise, I was going to be October. Have you, have you had your first shot? No, I, I'm, I'm booked in for mid-September, but I wonder if I should be <laughs> phoning around some places and just get on with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, a few people I know have had um, similar experiences to me where simply if you're in the right place at the right time, but perhaps ask because what they don't want to do, these places who are giving vaccines, they do not want to throw throw them away. It's too valuable to do that. So perhaps at the end of the day, it's a good time to check with some of these places. Mm. Yeah, there we go. Them. And the website, the Book My Vaccination website has a full list of those uh, venues where they are. 
Indeed. Right. Um, let's leave COVID for a little bit, Jimmy. Other things are happening, and I think it's it's important to, to, to point that out as well. Um, the eternal uh, Maori ward discussion at local government level is continuing. Um, it, it's been a, a bit of a roller coaster journey, the, the Maori wards, with the, the protests and the toing and froing and the yesing and the knowing. Um, but uh, all of our uh, local, regional, district, and city councils have decided to adopt Maori rewards, finally. Um, and now it's a discussion around how that will look and getting it a- approved, because the clock is ticking. There's not a lot of time to get this in place before the elections next year. No, no. The, the question is now how to do this. And Manawatu District Council, uh, which is the one you're referring to, the toing and froing and the protests and the, and the emails, and uh, we could go on. But <laughs> that's, that's not... <laughs> the council go- has gone out to consultation already, actually, on its proposal to have one Māori uh, seat around Manawatu District Council table, which would mean they have five seats in its urban uh, electorate, if you will, ward, I suppose, five in the rural one and one Māori, so that's 11. There, there was some uh, discussion about how this might work. Some councillors, they got narrowly outvoted, uh, wanted to see a drop of one councillor each in the urban and rural one electorate, so that would make nine councillors plus a mayor, uh, and they said, that, of course, um, Heather G. Taylor, one of the councillors in one or two, said that um, at the moment, you know, we have not a, not a lot of great discussion around the council table. So adding an extra council, councillor, as this current proposal does, uh, wouldn't help there. And another councillor, Councillor Campbell, Stuart Campbell, said that uh, if the number of councillors were to drop, that would mean, of course, each councillor gets more money because the, the pool for their pay stays the same, whether you have 11 or, or 25 and he said that would better reflect the work they do. And, of course, that's an age-old debate among councillors, isn't it, that if the pay rates aren't good enough, will that rule out some people from standing? Are the people who, who can stand at the council at the moment really those that can afford to? Um, so that's an age-old debate, which I don't think we're going to solve <laughs> necessarily. But that was all voted down, and it looks like um, what we've got out for consultation is to have one uh, Māori ward. Uh, the Māori District Council did have some informal uh, online information gathering if you want but only 21 people uh, <laughs> made their opinions known on that so I don't know if that's really worth uh, getting into at all um, in Horizons uh, some lead up decided to probably have two Māori seats which given the district stretches from Honofanua up to Tomanunui or somewhere around uh, yeah. it's huge isn't it it's <laughs> um, that seems like a logical a logical place to be have those two and that would mean that it'd be 14 councillors which is an increase of two so, uh, that, so Horizons councillors are going to see a salary drop, as our MDC. Yes, yep, slight one for Manawatu District Council, and a slightly bigger one for the Horizons uh, councillors. The, the, the Horizons officials actually recommended only having twelve councillors, so sticking with the status quo and dropping the the general councillors, if you like, the the ones with geographical wards there, so Levin, Palmerston North, all that sort of thing, and dropping those by two somehow and replacing it with the two. Māori ward uh, councillors, but they've decided to not do that. So there'll be two Māori seats, two wards by the looks of it, of which one councillor from each ward uh, will be elected. The the Horizons meeting room is not a big one. (laughs) (laughs) They they seem to be at capacity at the moment without another two thrown in there. They might make more use of uh, the councillors beaming in, uh, especially if there's someone elected from up north, uh, it's quite a drive from, say, Tomananui or, or whatnot to, to come down here. And I think the, uh, the general ward councillors from up that way, I think, quite often do 
speak over AVL. The problem with that, of course, isn't it, is, as we all know from, as we've even experienced some from time to time, crazy, you know, two people speak at once and then no, it just doesn't flow quite as nicely as uh, being in the room. But that's that's the proposal that Horizons is uh, dealing with at the moment. And, yeah, so that's also out for public consultation and we'll see what the other councillors, uh, well, the other councils around this region uh, come up with in the next few weeks. Yeah, the, the, the discussions at City Council, Palmerston North City Council level, were quite interesting because they, they had a, a rather convoluted uh, model where people on the Maori role could vote for someone on the general role as well. It was all getting... It struck me that if you looked at it long enough, it was probably very fair and equitable and the best option, but completely impenetrable to anyone actually wanting to vote. Um, uh, so that's the problem. Yeah, it didn't really follow the keep it simple uh, rule, did it, for um, you know, putting up a lack of impediments for people wanting to vote. Um, I mean, arguably any, any council has the STV system um, faces that issue anyway, don't they? And even though we know the debates on the uh, political scientists, for example, will tell you it's the fairest system and it does, it seems to be, it feels good when you rank people, even your, la- your last ranked candidate, it could make a difference. But I wonder if that does put some people off. We are here with Jimmy Ellingham from the Manawatu Standard for the catch-up. Uh, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the catch-up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Uh, news of squatting happening uh, in our region, Jimmy. Squatters' rights, which I think is a bit of a misnomer uh, when you actually delve into it. I think it might be in this case. Uh, it's an interesting story nonetheless. There's been some people, and I don't think they're there at the moment, actually, but um, I, I could be wrong on that. Uh, a lady called Kerry Reddy, who we spoke to, and another person have been squatting at the Mount Lees Reserve, Manawatu District Council-owned land at Mount Lees. It was a, it was a, there's a homestead there, which was, until last year, bed and breakfast, but that closed because it wasn't financially viable. So it's been empty since then. Well, almost empty, apart from these people squatting, uh, who are claiming um, an archaic law, <laughs> to put it kindly, called uh, alludial rights or, or alludial possession, which they told the Monarchy District Council their claim uh, in July. It relates to something basically saying there's no no master here or something. It's an old feudal law, which um, I wrote down some notes in this, so I wouldn't remember it off the top of my head, but um, something along the lines of if there's no one there, if you erect a flag and plant a crop on vacant land, you have uh, you have a claim of ownership. Sounds rock solid to me, Jimmy. Yes, indeed. Now, <laughs> New Zealand law is, is quite clear that um, squatters' rights, as you say, uh, the precedent in New Zealand law is 20 years of continuous occupation on empty land. So this seems to fall a little bit short of that. Uh, but, by they pla- but they put a flag in. And, and potentially some carrots yes. or potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> No. Can you not so, see my chives? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ms. Reddy uh, told us that um, she doubts the Manawatu District Council will take them to court. Um, she says, in her words, we're happy for them to take us to court, but they won't because they know they will lose and it will set a precedent. Um, I don't think that's the reason. Uh, the reason I think perhaps at the moment the, the council is just hoping that um, it will all go go away. And as the council said, it is locked down at the moment and you know, perhaps we'll have a look at this uh, afterwards. We <laughs> we spoke to a couple of uh, sort of experts about this from um, universities, and one here, Professor Richard uh, Boast, said that uh, 
as far as he wasn't aware that Manawatu is in Scotland, to the best of his knowledge, he said. So he, he doubted that the alluvial claim would would fly. Um, the property, the home, the homestead itself was worth $1.1 million. Um, I mean, it is a bit of a laugh, isn't it? But we do have to remember this is public land. And we also spoke to someone who said he tried to use the land uh, in July with his, you know, just go there with his uh, child. And these people were quite aggressive in trying to tell him to, uh, to, to get off. And the police don't really intervene in these situations. Generally, they stay out of these civil claims, as they would call them. Um, so that, that perhaps has got some people unhappy too if they've tried to use this land and been shooed away by people who are claiming a ludial position <laughs> on the basis of their flagpole and, um, and a row of carrots. So, whatever it, it so, so this, is, this is a property on reserve land? Yeah, yeah. So it's Mount Lee's Reserve. And it's a property on that that was bed and breakfast. It's a homestead, but I'm not entirely clear if the if the squatters are claiming just the homestead or the entire reserve. <laughs> you got well, let, let, Let's assume they're being realistic. I mean, what the history? You say it was a B and B, but do do the council own the building as well, or is that like a, a lease arrangement or something? Uh, no, the council owns it all. It, ah. It's all public land owned by the council. Uh, everything. Yeah, and the council says. Since the bed and breakfast shelter, they hadn't quite decided what to do with the building yet. But, I mean, it's possible something else will go in there, perhaps. Who knows? A business might want to rent it, that sort of thing. Mm. Oh, well, we'll watch that one with interest. Um, let's. We've got about two minutes left, Jimmy. Let's see if we can cram in uh, an update on the Palmerston North City Council Nature Calls. This is obviously the, the project to do with wastewater treatment. Um, long, long yeah. story. Yeah, long, long story with we won't tell the whole background to it, but a $496 million project, councillors have voted on initially what they'd like to see how to treat the city's wastewater. At the moment, it all goes into the river that cannot continue. So they've voted for an option that for a quarter of the year, some of it would go to the land, and the rest of the time presumably would be in the river. But uh, according to them and according to what council officials said, our wastewater would be the most treated wastewater in New Zealand if this uh, option happens. Oh, we're not going to get someone when it's all done, like putting a glass under it and drinking it afterwards, are we? I'm not going to volunteer for that. that No. (laughs) I'll stay away from that one. But um, 760 hectares of land will be needed, though, too. And that's a hell of a lot of land. Oh, yeah. Um, Some councillors have expressed concern uh, about this. The problem is, of course, if you keep it all in the river and flowing out to sea, uh, local Māori and iwi have uh, had objections to that. And councillors around the table were talking about how that we give weight to Māori views. Some people said it should be 50-50. Others said, well, this proposal definitely gives weight to Māori views. There's the whole uncertainty, too, about whether the council can actually pay for this. Karen Naylor often points out that it doesn't seem like we can. The auditors have said no. And the Three Waters Project from the government, will this ultimately be taken on by the local regional authority that we're told will be set up? And that's my very quick crazy of where we're at of this Nature Calls project. But it looks like for a quarter of the year, some of it will be discharged to land, some of the city wastewater, and that's when the river's in its low flow uh, season, if you like. So summer, presumably, the rest of us would say. And otherwise, it will continue to be well-treated, go into water, plus the, uh, it's likely that this will change gradually over time as new technologies emerge, we heard. Well, there we go. Uh, and, of course, you'll be able to keep up with that in the Manawatu Standard and, indeed, on the Palmerston North City Council website, I'm sure. Jimmy Ellingham, thank you for joining us on the catch-up this morning. 
thank you, Fraser. Talk next week. And remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, just head to the website mpr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition at half past eight, straight after Hugh's morning show, featuring some of those community interviews that he's been playing uh, with regards to what's going on in our community and what is continuing to happen during Level 4 and Level 3. Join us tomorrow for another edition of the Catch-Up. Bye for now. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.